Well, good morning and welcome to the most wonderful time of the year, right? <laughs> Y'all look scared. Are you, are you afraid of it? Are you afraid that it is already here? Well, it's, it's not actually here, but the month that brings us the holiday, that kicks off the season. It, it's here, right? We, we have the holidays upon us, ready or not, apparently, for this crowd. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of strange thinking about what has happened, what's evolved. I don't, I mean, it hadn't been this way forever. I'd say the last 30 or 40 years. We, we have three days on our calendar. You know, that's all they are, is three 24-hour time periods, three days. It's Thanksgiving Day, right? Christmas day. Y'all should be a lot sharper than this with time change. I mean, really, a lot. Okay, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to say a holiday, and the word that follows it is day. New Year's. Oh, yeah. yeah, Right on it there. Three days. But look what these three days have become. They've really become like a five, six-week season, haven't they? I mean, it's not just three days. It's five, six weeks. I say six weeks. I'm being gracious. There is 24-hour Christmas music right now. Right now, the radio's trying to make it eight weeks, and I'm pretty sure the retailers would be okay with that, right? I mean, we, we've got this dominate three days that make up almost two months that are going to control what we talk about at school, what's going on at work, obviously what's going on at the mall, what we hear on the radio, it's going to impact our social calendar, it's going to impact our finances. I mean, it, it touches everything. Do you realize for what amounts, have you ever thought about it like this? Over 10% of our year is about these three days. Over, over 10% of our whole year is about what happens on these three days. I mean, we, we, we don't have anything else like this. I mean, we, we don't get to the end of any other season and, and all together kind of evaluate whether it was good or bad, right? I mean, we, we are going to do that. December 29th, January 3rd. We're going to look back... And we're going to say it was a good or it was a, a bad holiday season. I mean, we don't do that with August. We don't get to the end of August. And go, Boy, that August just wasn't what I was hoping for. Boy, that was a good February, wasn't it? I, I mean, we might do that as an individual for some reason. But collectively as a society, we don't, we don't do that. But with this season, we do. So, so what would make it a good season for you? Obviously, for some of y'all, I think just a nap. Just a nap would maybe make this like the best holiday ever. Maybe you're kind of hoping for a bonus. Maybe you've put together a trip this year, a vacation, and all the family's coming in, and you're, you're, boy, you're really just banking a lot. That's going to make everything great. Maybe you're just looking forward to family coming in. Hey, I know the reality of this. I've been, I've been close to this before. For some of us, a great holiday would be if the family all gathers and the police aren't called. Some of us, that's not so funny. Some of us have to have had that car parked in the driveway, you know, about three o'clock. Uh, you know, and that would make it a good holiday. Hey, there's probably some of us going into this season, and you're hoping a lot for this season for your marriage. As a matter of fact, you're kind of fearful of what January holds if something doesn't happen during this season. Man, we can really, I mean, you see what we do as, as Americana. We put a lot on this season, from, from the very serious to the very silly. And, and, and it impacts so much of our lives. So it really could, should, should kind of leave us asking, hey, what can I do to make this a, a good season? What, what, what can we do? And you know, as we ask that, think about how much we're not in control of. We're not in control of other people. 
not in control of other family members, what they're going to say. And what, do you have that one family member? You know they're bringing it up. They can't get together without bringing it up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yes, they're going to talk about it. And then you know how the cousin's going to respond. And, you know, I mean, what, you know, we, we, we can't control people. We can't control who wins the big game. We can't control the weather. But I want to tell you something. You can control what kind of holiday you're about to have. You can control the, the season in front of you. And I tell you, that has been my prayer for you. I mean that. I'm not just saying that because that's a cliche in church. I'm praying for you. I, I've, I started about the middle of October praying for our church family, praying for you. God, would you give them, give us the best holiday we've ever had? And that will mean different things to, to each individual, each family in here. What would make that the best ever? But I've been praying that for you, praying we have the, the best ever. And, and really, and as you go through that, what that means in your walk and relationship with God. So it was kind of in that vein, in that light, that I, I began thinking, well, what if we just all started working together on, on having the best holiday ever? And I, and I put this series together. It's three messages, three ideas. As a matter of fact, would you believe this? It's three words. Each week, I'm going to give you a word. And they're, they're pretty simple. It, it, it's pretty simple to take this word, and, and by the end of any one of these Sundays, you'll be able to act on this word. You, you, you'll be able to, a lot of us, by the end of the same, we'll be able to check that off. I did it. I'm on, my, I'm on my way. I've taken my first step toward the best Thanksgiving ever. And so that brings us to today, our, our first word. Are you ready for this? Confess. Now, that's not a fun word. You don't put tinsel and lights on confess. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not as much a fun word. That's not usually the word that comes to our mind when we think about trying to have the best of something. But stop and think about it. There's actually something very logical here. Without confession, we leave roadblocks up in our life to the very best things coming into our life. There's things you want to happen. Sin is a roadblock. Sin is a roadblock to anything right and good happening in your life. And confession is a way we take the garbage out. Now let's see what this is all about. I want to look at a couple of passages today, but we're going to start in Psalm 32. If you have a Bible with you, I hope you'll open it up. It's kind of right in the middle of your Bible. If, 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 if opening to the middle doesn't get you there, I don't know, go to the left a few pages. That might do it. Psalm 32, and I want to read the first five verses. Psalm 32, first five verses. Okay, it says there, verse 1, blessed. Now let me start, start right there on the first word. We use that word a lot, blessed, right? Especially in church. I don't know how much we use it at school or work. I mean, every now and then we say, oh, I'm, I'm blessed, you know. But, but what does that word mean? I think, I think it means everything good, Right? However you wanted to, everything good in what I need, what I want, everything good in how I feel, everything good in my relationships, everything good when I walk out and look at the weather today. It's just, blessed is everything good. Now, while it means that, I think rising above it in God, there is a blessing that is not dependent upon the weather and people and what I have or don't have. There is an ability to see and to enjoy and to experience good no matter what is going on. So, so it's all of the above. Blessed. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against the, uh, whom the Lord counts no iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. 
For when I kept silent, now what he's referring to is here, when I didn't deal with my sin, when I didn't confess, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. Verse 5, I acknowledged, and and I almost feel like we should add the word finally there. I'm not adding to God's word, but if if I was, I would add the word finally, because that's kind of, I think, what the psalmist is trying to say. Finally, after verse 3 and 4, after the experience of verse 3 and 4, finally I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And look at this, and you forgave. Well, that's three great words right there. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Okay, so Psalm 32 is going to get us started here. I want to make three observations from Psalm 32. The first observation, folks, is blessing, the blessed life, being blessed. It all begins with forgiveness. You see, without forgiveness, with with the weight of guilt, with sin anchored in my life, we don't have the real ability to enjoy. Now let me come back and almost sound like I'm contradicting myself. You can be totally committed to sin and totally not care about ever confessing it and absolutely enjoy a turkey dinner. You can, right? I mean, it goes on all around us. Maybe we've done it. You, you can enjoy turkey dinner. You can jump up and down with genuine excitement and joy when, when your team wins. You, you, can, you can enjoy the family getting together and have good conversation and get in bed that night and say, man, what, what a great day. You, you can have fun. You can enjoy without forgiveness. But that joy and that good is never more than a cover-up. Because when sin is in our life, darkness is in our life. Death is in our life. Deceit is in our life. And that stuff is heavy. And and it leaves us frustrated. It leaves us with an inability to connect the dots. It, 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 It means we can have fun and laugh, but boy, frustration is right around the corner. We're never quite there. In other words, happiness becomes a little more than a Band-Aid. And a lot of people will wholly give their lives fighting for that Band-Aid. Fighting to tell themselves everything's okay, there's nothing wrong. Just trying to get from one happy moment to the next. Forgiveness, though, offers me a blessing, a goodness that is not dependent, as I said already, on the weather, on the turkey, on the team winning, on everybody getting along. Forgiveness provides me a real genuine peace a rest, a joy. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons that happened is because of the observation we make with number two. And that is when we don't confess, man, we live weak and, put up number two here, weak and unhealthy lives. Did you see that in verse three? It says, when I didn't confess, when when I tried to cover my sin, when I tried to hide my sin, when I tried to ignore my sin, man, it was like, I referred to August a moment ago, it was like that hot, August day. You've been one through one of those hot days, you're just completely lethargic. I mean, the heat just zaps your strength. That's what a lack of confession does in our life. It, it is tired. You know, it's tiring to hide. You ever had something between you and somebody else and they didn't know? They didn't know you lied to them? They, they didn't know what you went around their back and did? And so when you're with them, I mean, you can enjoy a good meal. 
You can laugh and kind of have fun together, but you're inside, you're like, I wonder if they know. I wonder if they're going to find out. I wonder what's going to happen when they do find out. I mean, it, that's draining. It's draining to live in the fear and the wonder of somebody finding out. Boy, you tell you something else that's draining is trying to justify. It's trying to, it's trying to tell myself, I don't, I, don't, I don't have any sin. I, I don't have anything wrong with me. There, there's nothing wrong. I, I, I don't have to confess anything. Hey, listen, anything I did wrong is because of my parents. Anything, hey, anything you're calling wrong, I was born that way. Hey, anything you got a problem with, you should see what they did to me. What would you do if somebody did like that to you? See, it's, it's no real wrong. It's everything out there that is wrong. It's everything that has happened to me that is wrong. I, I've, got, I've got nothing here. I, I've, I've got nothing to confess. And folks, a lot of people on this planet, a lot of people you're going to school with and work with every day spend every ounce of energy they have trying to tell themselves that they're okay and that there's nothing wrong. It is a draining way to live. And this verse kind of implies that it's just a physical issue, right? Boy, I, might, I, was, I was weak, I was unhealthy, I was tired. And it is physical. It's physical, it's spiritual, it's mental and emotional, it's relational. It is draining to live this way and tell yourself there's nothing wrong. So, so no wonder the psalmist gets verse 5 to our third observation. Man, confess! Confess, why let that garbage build up? That turkey bone is going to stink in a couple of days. Hey, there's a way to deal with it. Back it up and get it out of the house. Take care of the sin. Deal with the sin. And you and I do that through confession. Now, let's think about what confession is not. Confession is not, I'm sorry for all the stuff I've done wrong. Because absolutely nothing comes to my mind. <laughs> Or here's my favorite one. Uh, you know, if this bothers you, I'm sorry. If you're offended by this, you know what that saying is? I haven't done anything wrong, but apparently you got some kind of problem. So I'm sorry that you have some kind of problem. That's, that's not confession. That's the way we confess things. That's all the way we confess, especially if we're on TV. You know, if somebody was bothered, if somebody was offended by not my problem, but I'm sorry it's theirs. Now, you know what real confession sounds like? It's not God, I know you're like perfect and I'm not, sorry. Real confession, I think, sounds something like this. It's, it's man, Lord, I love you. And I'm just utterly overmazed at how much you love me, how much you never quit on me, how kind you are to me. God, I want the way I live today to show you that I love you. I want the way I live this week to, to show how much I value you and honor you. And God, I know, I know when I lied to my boss the other day, that didn't, that didn't communicate to you how much I value you. Lord, I know when I put that impurity in front of my face, I, I, I was saying in that moment, that is more important to me than God. That is more valuable to me than you are, Lord. Father, I want to value you, but boy, I get going in life and just seems like greed and selfishness and me, 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 me. Everything, every, every relationship I have, it's about, it's about me. And God, that doesn't show how much I value you. God, I confess that. I confess that. You see, real confession deals with the garbage. It deals with real issues. And it seeks to express real grief. And boy, folks, we have the, what's the word? The safety 
the security of doing that? In those last three words there in verse, or those three words in verse 5, and you forgave. And you forgave. Now we'll come back to forgiveness in a moment. But folks, there really is a, a peace in confessing and knowing that, that the forgiveness is there. Now, a couple of other verses, and, and what I'm trying to do with these other verses is just show you that, that the constancy, the continuity of this theme throughout Scripture. Deal with the garbage so we can move on to the joy of blessing. Deal with sin so we can move on to the joy of thanksgiving. Turn to Ephesians. You'll find Ephesians, oh gosh, in the back quarter uh, of your Bible. Get past uh, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to start in verse 3. Ephesians 5, verse 3. All right, it says there, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. I I like one, one translation says there shouldn't even be a hint of these things. You know, sometimes somebody will challenge us on some of these issues because we're giving the appearance of doing something and we're very quick to say, well, it may look like that, but that's not what's happening. I'm, I'm innocent of that. But what the scripture's saying here is it's not enough to be innocent. Don't give the appearance. Don't, don't let people even wonder, even think if you're involved in that kind of thing. That's not okay. That's not proper among God's people. Don't, don't even let it be named among you. Verse 4, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. That's out of place. But instead, let there be what? Thanksgiving. Do you, see, do you see how this is the same thing happening here as in Psalm 32? My, my goal in reading this passage is actually not now to start talking about sexual immorality and dirty jokes and being gross. It's, it's not to talk about that. It's just to show, hey, here again is this issue of, hey, there's these sins running around in our lives. We need to deal with that so we can get on to Thanksgiving. Now, let's think about that word Thanksgiving for a moment. You know, we're, we're all getting ready to have a Thanksgiving day and we'll sit around the table. And I, I don't know if every table does this. I'm guessing a lot do. You know, there's the appointed time. For us, it's after turkey but before pie. You know, we go around the table and we give thanks, right? You, you go around, and I'm thankful for a roof over my head and health and... Oh, gosh, there was something else. Oh, my family! Yeah, thank you for you guys, too. You know, and go around that. You know, folks, I kind of make fun of that. And, and I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not actually trying to make fun of that. I'm not saying that when we go around the table, we're not thankful for those things. But let's be honest. Gratitude is not what drove us to call those things out. What drove us to call those things out was a calendar day. What, 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 the, the, what drove us to call those things out is that's what I'm supposed to do right now. We're, we're going around the table and I'm supposed to say something I'm thankful for. And honestly, folks, I'm going to say the same thing I said last year and the year before that and the year before that. And it's not that I'm not grateful for a roof over my head or, or for health. It's just that's not really, gratitude's not really what called that out. Calendar did. You see, this word is not talking about, oh, it's the appropriate time in our prayer to say thank you. Oh, it's Thanksgiving Day, so let's all be grateful. Thanksgiving here is the arising up of that genuine emotion in our lives when we have that moment. Have you had a moment where you just kind of become overwhelmed with good? I mean, it's kind of hard in this world, right? Because there's a lot of bad. But every now and then you can just walk outside and say, wow, that's a beautiful sky. I mean, wow, that is like really a beautiful sky. 
Man, I can't believe I got all that done at work this week. And it just, it all went so well and it went so smooth. And now just fun in front of me this weekend. Just feeling good, right? Just, and, and man, I'm, so, I'm grateful. I'm talking about that emotion that rises up when we're genuinely in touch with good in our lives. That's the Thanksgiving talking about here. Well, who doesn't want that? Right? Who, who doesn't want that moment where you realize that there is good? Okay, well, what's it say? Get the sin out of the way. C- clean out the garbage. W- one more passage, and it's right next door to Ephesians. It's in Philippians. Just one or two pages over. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And it's, it's basically going to say the same thing. This passage doesn't have a, a listing of several sins. It, it, it just lists one. Do not, uh, Philippians 4, verse 6, do not be anxious. That's a sin, you know. Holy cow, that's where most of us live. That's the address of our home. Anxiety, why is that a sin? How do you not feel anxious? You know, anxious, folks, you've heard me use this, this illustration before. It's, it's the blinking red light on the dashboard of your life. It says you have absolutely no faith in God in this moment and you're trying to control life as if you're God. No, 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 not me. I, I'm a person of faith. Right? Because that's, that's why we're in church this morning, right? Because we're a person of faith. And there was an extra hour we're trying to kill. No, no. no I, I'm a person of faith. You know what? Just because I'm a person of faith doesn't mean I'm living every day in faith, does it? Just because I'm a person of faith does not mean I'm handling every issue with faith. Sometimes I slide God right out of the way and I go on living as if I'm in control and everything's up to me. And that's a scary moment. And so the anxiety bell goes off. Okay, so it says, hey, don't do, stop. Don't, don't do that. Get back on a path. You do that through prayer. But look at what, what the result of the prayer should be. Thanksgiving. There it is again. I've got to move away from the sin. I've got to leave the sin so I can get to the place I want to be. Good, blessing, thanksgiving. Now, let's be honest. Confession's not fun. Calling out these things. We don't want to say these things out loud. These are things we try to hide about ourselves. I mean, right? I mean, the reason we don't confess to people, I'm afraid of what they're going to, how they're going to respond. Are they going to still like me? Are they going to hold this over me? Are they going to be tired of it because it's like the hundredth time I've, I've done? What's God going to do? What's God going to do if I actually say this out loud? Well, I'm glad you asked. I love when you ask questions I want to answer. Turn to 1 John 1, 9. Go to the end of your Bible, Revelation, and just back up. You'll come into Jude and then the three letters from John. 1 John 1, 9. I hope this verse sounds a little familiar because we studied it this summer in our promises series as we looked at a promise that God gives us here. 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins. You know that first word there, if, is a big one, right? If we confess our sins. Because we don't always confess our sins. Sometimes it's because we're just, our overdrive is to tell ourselves we're okay. We're, we're justifying that it's not sin, that there is no wrong. Whatever we might, we might be doing like that, verse 8, look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, you're going one of two places. I'm, I'm trying to say that I have no sin or I'm confessing my sin. So you're either living in verse 8, but if you decide to move your life over to verse 9, if we confess our sins, here's what we're going to find. We're going to find God to be faithful. Yeah, that is an amen. We're going to find God to be faithful. Well, faithful, faithful what? 
faithful what? I mean, I've got people in my life that are faithful to be grumpy every day. I can count on it, right? What, what is, faithful to what? Faith, God's going to be faithful to who He is and to what He's promised. You know, His Word tells me that God wants me to know His friendship, that God wants to reconcile. It, it, it says, it says in Ezekiel, it says in 1 Peter, God's desire is not judgment, God's desire is not catching you and bringing down on you what you deserve. His desire is for that to be dealt with. His desire is for you to know His friendship. God's going to be faithful to that desire. The Bible tells me He's he's slow to anger, that He's loving, that He's kind, that He's gracious, that He's merciful. I'm going to find God to be faithful to that in confession. And then look at this next one. He's going to be faithful and He's going to be just. Wait a minute. I don't, I, wait, wait, when I'm confessing, I don't actually want God to be just, right? I mean, when we say justice has been done, don't we usually mean somebody just got caught and now they're having to pay for it? Well, when I'm confessing my wrong, that's not, uh, that's not when I'm crying out for justice. God will be faithful to be just. You know why he's going to be just and you know why that's the best thing you've ever heard? Because God has already been angry at your sin. Colossians chapter 2 says that when Jesus was on the cross, that the certificate of debt, the list of every single sin in your life, the things you should have done and didn't do, the things you should not have done and you did, the things you should have never thought and you thought over and over and over, all that is on a list and it is nailed to the cross. You understand the cross isn't a piece of wood. Those sins were nailed to Jesus. And with your sins nailed to Him, then God poured out all of His wrath and His anger. That's why to look at the cross and what happened there is so horrific and ugly. And we cannot help but turn away. But real wrath, real anger was being poured out against our sin. And Jesus caught it for you and for me. So God is being just... When he lets you step back in and enjoy his forgiveness. Because it's already been dealt with. It's already been dealt with. Listen folks, when you and I confess, we're not begging and pleading for God to forgive us. You understand that? You're not begging and pleading for him to forgive you. He's already forgiven you. Confession lets you step back into the joy of that forgiveness. Confession lets you step back into the goodness of that love and that forgiveness. If we confess, we're going to find him faithful to who he is. We're going to find him just and that he's not going to pour out more anger because it's already been poured out. We have been forgiven. Now, I, I said we. Look at that. It's there in 1 John 1, 9. If we. Who's the we? That's a pretty important word, isn't it? Who is the we that through confession gets to step back into his friendship? All the stuff is cleared out of the way. So now I'm back where I belong in his love and his kindness. And who's the we that gets it? Is, it? is it any human being on the planet? Is it anybody that looks up to heaven and says, God, whoever you are, whatever you're like, I'm sure sorry. I, I who's the we? It's not everybody. The we is those who are in Christ. 
You see, if my life is not in Christ, then my, the certificate of debt, my sins, have not yet been nailed to the cross. God's wrath has not poured out on that. When I place my life in Christ, then my life and my sins are now in the place that God's wrath has already been poured out. That God's anger has already been satisfied. If you're in Christ, oh, confess. But if you're not in Christ, it doesn't matter how much you confess. It doesn't matter how good you do it. It doesn't matter how good a person you are. Because no amount of confession and no amount of good deeds erases the wrong that has been done, right? You know, I say right like it's an obvious point, and yet almost no human lives in the obviousness of that point. We actually act like, you know, if I end and the score is 51 good things to 49 bad things, I'm okay. I I just got to have more good than I do bad. Where does that work? Where would you point to that and say that's where all wrong is wiped off because I've got more good than bad? That doesn't work anywhere. Doesn't work on earth, doesn't work in heaven. No amount of confession, no amount of goodness undoes the wrong that is there. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've got questions about what it means to be in Christ or how your life can be in Christ, don't leave here without settling that. You can be a we before this day's over. As we leave in a moment when our service is done, we have a desk right out in the center of our concourse, kind of back toward the window, and there's folks that will be standing there. And uh, they're waiting to have that conversation with you. People go out there almost every Sunday and say, hey, would you tell me how I can have that relationship with Christ? I know that kind of seems heavy, maybe a little bit awkward. Don't, don't let it be. Go out there and ask and find out how you can become a part of the we, how your life can be in Christ. So in, in light of what the scripture is presenting to us, as we go into this season uh, of Thanksgiving, let's go with confession and repentance. I haven't used the word repentance a lot today, mostly the word confession, but confession and repentance are two sides of the same coin. In other words, folks, the goal here is not just to feel bad about yourself. The goal here is not to acknowledge the the bad things that you've done. The goal is to actually stop doing them, right? I mean, what good does it do to, hey, Lord, I confess I'm walking the wrong direction and I feel really bad about it and I'm going to keep going this direction. Well, that doesn't make it, hey, Lord, I'm really sorry I'm going the wrong direction. You know what repent means? I turn, start walking the right direction. We confess and we repent. So how do, how do we do this? How do we take this first step? Remember our goal. I know this isn't fun, but our goal is to have the best Thanksgiving, the best holiday we've ever had. First thing we want to do is just come before the Lord and ask Him, Hey, Lord, what, what, what's the garbage between you and me? What, what's the sin that I need to acknowledge, that I need to deal with in my life? Now, if you're like me, I don't even have to finish. Th- I don't have to listen Because before I even get to the end of the sentence, I already know, right? I I, I know. I I know what I did yesterday. I I know what the problem was this past week. I know what I've been kind of struggling with this fall. And so I can immediately call out, hey, Lord, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for this. I'm I'm sorry for this. And And that might be genuine, but here's another problem. We can confess just like we give thanks. What do I mean by that? Well, just like, well, I'm supposed to say thank you here. So, God, thank you for the roof over my head and health. And Oh, this is the part of the prayer where I'm supposed to say I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. One, two, three, four. And I am sorry. I mean, I know those are sins in my life. I wish they weren't there. But it's not actually grief 
and a desire to see that change that led to that confession. It's just that that's what I'm supposed to do. I went to church today and the guy said, he said to confess. And so here's some things and I throw it out there. But there may be more going on. And so once I get past the, the three or four I know real quickly to call out, that's when we really try to this word. Just listen. Okay, you've confessed. The three or four, you tend to always confess. But now just be still and be quiet. This is hard, right? I mean, like after 30 seconds, you've, I think I've been here a day. Man, that's not even being funny. It really does. You just, just sit there quietly before the Lord. It's like, oh, say, so you got nothing to say? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> but just sit there and be still and be quiet and see what God lays on your heart. And, and, and because it's kind of hard, because that's even kind of weird, for some of us, I'm listening to God. I, I think number two will help the listening process. I list it as a second thing to do, but really number two is just elaborating on listen. You know, pick some, I put some books of the Bible here. Honestly, you could just open your Bible and pick a page. But I, I put a couple of small books here. What did I put? Philippians, James, 1 John. They're all like really short books. You can start reading them in 10 minutes, you're done. It doesn't even take 10 minutes for some of these. You just, they're real quick to read. But as you read through them, listen to what's being said. And ask yourself, am I doing that? Do I care about that? Do, do I even think about that? And, and what I'm trying to get to here, folks, is you and I can be really pretty dull to all the sin that is operating in our lives. I mean, we got our three or four go-to sins that we always confess. But the reality is, you've got hundreds of things that are operating in a sinful way in your life and you don't even acknowledge it. You know, if I'm reading, if I'm reading Philippians, did you know in chapter 1 it says to live worthy of the gospel? And you know, actually, I guess probably a lot of you probably are coming pretty close to that. I mean, yeah, you're, you're in church, you're reading God's Word, you're trying to be sensitive to His will. You, 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 you do probably tend to act that way a lot. But boy, when you read Philippians 1, and you see it say there to live worthy of the gospel, I think when you read that, you're going to ask, hey, wait a minute, I don't think this is just an action to take tomorrow. It's like something that should be governing everything I am and do. Every time somebody hurts me, offends me, attacks me, am I thinking about how do I respond in a way that shows the worth of the gospel in my life? When I make financial decisions, does it show the worth of the gospel in my life? When I just pray, does the worth of the gospel come out in my prayer? Boy, Lord, as I start thinking about this, if I'm being honest, I, I don't think about the worth of the gospel at all. I don't think I made a single decision in 2017 that had anything to do with the... Hey, Lord, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I, I confess that to you as a sin. Or, or how about... Also in Philippians, oh, my favorite one says, don't grumble or complain. Crickets. And that's what some of your relationships would be like if you stopped grumbling and complaining because that's all you do in that relationship. I'll guarantee you, there's a lot of... You have this one particular go-to. The moment you're angry, the moment you're upset, the moment you... Boy, you call them, let me tell you about my mate, let me tell you about my boss, let me tell you about my church. And you just, boy, you stir each other up, grumbling. Man, grumbling and complaining is like a default mode, especially in America right now because we're super angry people. Now, a lot of times, I don't think I'm grumbling and complaining. You know why? 
because I'm right. I mean, it's okay if you're right, right? Did you know when God tells us not to grumble and complain, it has nothing to do with you being wrong. It has nothing to do with your looking at that the wrong way. So stop grumbling and complaining. This is an issue not just in Philippians. It runs through the entirety of Scripture. God hates complaining. And it's not because you're wrong. There may genuinely need to be something that changes there. Something is corrected there. Something needs to be brought to light there. And the moment you and I go to that go-to friend, the moment we start grumbling and complaining, you just invited God to not be a part of the solution that you're grumbling about. Because He doesn't want to have anything to do with a person, a people that are grumbling and complaining. You ever confessed you're grumbling and complaining? Because it's a super big issue to God. Uh, no. No, I haven't confessed that at all. James. James tells us to care for the poor. Not just at the holidays either. <laughs> like that's supposed to be like an attitude, uh, something that guides my life, my finances, a way I'm... Do, do I, I mean, I know, I know that, but do I ever confess? Man, Lord, I'll be honest with you, I just don't care about the poor that much at all, as long as it's not me. Oh, Lord, I always try to look the other way. You know what, when we see that command, how do we interact with it? Do do we confess any issues? By the way, I actually think a lot of you do. And man, we saw such great evidence of that. You remember a couple weeks ago, I was talking about Mission Dignity, that, that ministry that provides some pretty significant resources to retired pastors living in poverty, living well below the, the, the poverty line. And I shared that ministry with you and said, hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we just took up an offering right now? And with no notice... No preparation. You gave over $11,300 in a moment's notice. You got, y'all are awesome. And, and I tell you something, I put that check in, in, in the mail to, uh, this week, Wednesday, I think. I put that check in the mail, wrote a little note to the, to the person that heads that up. And, and I'll tell you something, I was super proud of you. I, re- I really was. I was super proud. So I, I do think, hey, we read some commands and say, hey, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to do that. Nothing to confess today. That, that's okay too, right? You know what else James says? Uh, you need to listen way more than you talk. Seriously, has one person in here ever confessed to that sin? Man, Lord, I'm not trying to listen more than I talk. As a matter of fact, when I'm not talking, I'm just thinking about what I say next. I'm not even listening to what they're saying. So you see what I'm saying? My goal in walking through all that was not to talk about listening or grumbling or complaining or the the poor or living worthy of the gospel. It's learning to read the scripture. You know what James calls the scripture? A mirror. What's the point of a mirror? It's to look at, oh my God, I got a huge zit right in my, you know what, but then I deal with it. I deal with it. If I don't ever look in the mirror, I don't deal with it. Folks, the scripture's a mirror. Oh my gosh, look what's happening here. I need, I, need, I need to deal with this. We need to read Scripture in light of what we're supposed to be and do and acknowledge it and confess it when we're not being and doing that. Hey, I've, I've got good news. <laughs> Next week and the week after that, some, they're fun words. As a matter of fact, really pretty lighthearted in nature. The next two Sundays, I promise, very lighthearted words, kind of fun words. You're going to leave it. Kind of a fun homework assignment. But the first step isn't so much fun, is it? It's not so late. And that's kind of how life works. If we don't deal with the first step, 
then nothing's ever going to be lighthearted. Because there's always the weight of death and guilt living in us. It's when we confess. It's when we deal with the garbage and the junk. And isn't it good news? No, I don't have to beg and plead and wonder how he's going to respond to me. I confess so that I can step into the lightheartedness of his joy and his forgiveness and his kindness that he's already won for me. So next two weeks, a lot of fun. I know today, not so much. But so, so very important. So take on the hard assignment in the peace of knowing he's already forgiven you. He's already forgiven you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning thankful, thankful, thankful. God, I pray it is real and genuine, overwhelming gratitude that is rising up in us to hear those words. I've already been forgiven. I've already been forgiven. In Jesus Christ, I'm already forgiven. Thank you. Thank you. And now, Lord, would we have the, the integrity, the courage, the realness to start looking into our heart, looking into your word and dealing with, with junk that's there. Gosh, Lord, I'm sorry that as a believer, as a follower of you, I, I let junk pile up. And Lord, I, I do want, I want for myself, for my home, for everybody in here to enjoy the best holiday season possible. For it to be lighthearted and fun and joyful. So God, may we just kind of give ourselves to doing what needs to be done to, to kind of clear the sin out of the way. Guide us in that, Father. We ask for your help in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.